0: I think this will be seen as an extremely important step in this monetary cycle of history, as I call it. And in this case, what makes gold so interesting is that we truly have entered a multipolar economic world. I mean, just look at a distribution of global GDP, global imports and exports. It really is multipolar today. No one can deny that. I mean, that's, that's obvious to all. But what's curious is the odd mix of the dominant reserve currency being a unipolar currency issued by only one authority, an authority that's now using that national fiat currency as an instrument not of normal international economic policy but of a borderline war weapon situation instrument. That's not normal. And history would suggest that is just no way forward. And so I believe, as I argue in my book.
1: Hello and welcome to this rather unusual video for Fortune and Freedom. I am in COVID quarantine day four of seven, and I've also had paternity leave before that. The thing is, I've come back into the midst of the action, and it seems to me that everything which John Butler wrote about in his book, The Golden Revolution, is coming to pass. It's all in the news. I don't know where to look without seeing things that John had predicted. So I had to invite him back on. John Butler, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure, Nick. So uh, you'll have to forgive the lack of a shave. Uh, I haven't been in the bathroom, uh, apart from a a small little upstairs toilet, which I'm uh, still allowed in. Uh, I'm completely disorganised here after a, a bit of COVID and having to deal with a newborn. But... The, the chaos aside, it seems to me that I should reread your book, basically, The Golden Revolution, in order to understand how all of these news headlines make sense. What's the, the one narrative, the golden thread, as we say in newsletter writing, that, that, that ties them all together. So let's start with the, the news story that Boris Johnson suggested. Um, I think it was uh, confiscating Russia's gold or Putin's gold.
0: Why would he say that? Well, I, I mean, it sounds good. The same way, if you, if you generalize to sanctions, just as as a concept, economic sanctions as a concept, those pushing for sanctions as a general rule try to suggest that a they work and b they're primarily one sided. That is, you know, you're harming the target country rather than harming yourself. And we've seen we've seen a lot of this going on um, in recent weeks, of course as sanctions have been sold to the general public as uh, you know, sensible uh, reactions to what's happening in Ukraine. But when Johnson makes a comment that specific about confiscating Russia's gold, he can really only be talking about an extremely small portion thereof because the vast majority of it is held in Russia. <laughs> and unless, unless he's prepared to send in some crack SAS team to try and get it out, um, against all odds, uh, I don't think he should be making a general claim. I mean, it sounds cool on paper. Oh, yeah, let's just confiscate their gold. But the amount that they actually have abroad is a small fraction of their total reserves. So fine, maybe he goes after that, but it's not terribly meaningful at that point.
1: But I think the key argument here is a little more deep and it's about what that gold might be used for. And what we've seen in the last few weeks, uh, the headlines suggesting that trade with Russia could be conducted in gold uh, and also that the Russian, I think it's the Russian central bank or the government is looking to purchase gold at a discount and in rubles. Uh, and there's a couple of other similar sort of headlines which, which all had the word gold in it. What is it about gold that, that has suddenly caught everyone's attention?
0: We're learning for the upteenth time, although, to be fair, it hasn't happened for quite a long time, but we're learning yet again that gold remains a de facto international money. There's always a bid for it. It's always available in exegis to be used as an alternative money when, for whatever reason, whatever reason, there is an issue with respect to bilateral trade in national fiat currencies. Clearly, when you get into such a big sanctions war, like we now are, let's call it what it is, you know, people are not pussyfooting around here. This is all out sanctions war at this point. You might as well start blockading countries, which, of course, is an official act of war, whereas sanctions are in a bit of a gray area. Nevertheless, let's call it what it is, sanctions war. So basically, we're, we've seen this before. But what's interesting in this case is the unusual position we currently occupy in what I call the monetary cycle of history, where you already have an almost bizarre set of economic and monetary policies around much of the world, which undermine uh, confidence in the system, m- banking and, and finance and money. So that was already the context. And now, amidst that general lack of confidence, we're suddenly getting this bolt out of the blue that you can't even use some of those currencies in which you had already lost some confidence. I mean, we're approaching some sort of tipping point here, if history is any guide.
1: I've been reading for a few years now that the the US dollar's status as the global reserve currency is under threat. I find it incredibly ironic that these sanctions that have come from the U.S. seems to be what's driving the undermining of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency. Is this, in, is this the key moment? Is this, you know, when historians look back the, 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 the moment on the timeline where they'll point to to say this is when the U.S. dollar lost its status as the global reserve? Or is this another stepping stone or is this an insignificant moment?
0: I would argue it is a stepping stone, but one that is big enough to be seen in the rear view mirror of history going forward. I I think this will be seen as an extremely important step in this monetary cycle of history, as I call it. And in this case, what makes gold so interesting is that we truly have entered a multipolar economic world. I mean, just look at a distribution of global GDP, global imports and exports. It really is multipolar today. No one can deny that. I mean, that's, that's obvious to all. But what's curious is the odd mix of the dominant reserve currency being a unipolar currency issued by only one authority, an authority that's now using that national fiat currency as an instrument not of normal international economic policy but of a borderline war weapon situation instrument that's not normal and history would suggest that is just no way forward and so i believe as i argue in my book that from this critical stage in the monetary monetary cycle of history forward you're going to start to see this game theory put into motion now, this international game of international monetary relations. What is the least common denominator? What is the one money that everybody can agree to use that nobody can print arbitrarily, that nobody can use to impose sanctions, that no one has one clear advantage over anyone else when it comes to international trade? And I think we already know the answer. I think it's, it's very obvious that the currency that is, is preeminent in that sort of situation is gold.
1: One of the things that makes a multipolar world so interesting is that it's not sort of the world against Russia or the world's dominant superpower against Russia. There's a whole bunch of other players here, and it seems like that's Russia's way out of this crisis situation, and it's what makes gold so useful as well. The fact that you know, Russia can turn to China uh, and whoever else it is saying, well, we've got gold, and and you know, even if we're we're sanctioned out of this U.S. dollar system. Do you think China and and whoever the other players are that you would identify, do you think they're ready to go with Russia and challenge that that hegemony of of the US, but also of the US dollar? Or do you think they're still sort of
0: one foot in each camp? I think there's definitely one foot in each camp. And the reason why is that a very sudden, uncontrolled migration uh, away from the current dollar centric international reserve system, which underlies the vast bulk of global trade. Look, that that would be bad news for everybody. Nobody wants to go there, in my opinion. However, Russia is acting as if it is under mortal threat now. Right. But you know, when, when, when you do what they've done and again, I don't want to excuse it for one moment. But if you just look at this in terms of traditional balance of power politics, real call it what you want russia's taken this to a level now where they have made very very clear that they will accept almost any economic price to deal with what they see as a mortal security threat from from ukraine and and indirectly from from nato okay so do other countries just want to go along with that no they don't but russia's put the whole world on notice that they will that they will fight this one. And so China and India, and for that matter, you know, Brazil and other big players in the game who weren't necessarily big players a generation ago are, uh, are you know, weighing up their options. I suspect all of them are working both sides in this one and trying to see if there is a way to bring NATO slash US on the one hand and Russia on the other to the negotiating table and try to de-escalate and settle this thing. However, the international monetary system will never be the same going forward. And so while it could all blow up tomorrow, I think it's more likely that first the military situation calms down and then We might see some interesting moves on the international monetary front to basically (laughs) try and come up with a new system that does not disproportionately favor the United States and does not allow the dollar to be used as a weapon.
1: And that's what we discussed in in the interview about your book, The Golden Revolution, that that possible future system and and how, historically speaking, governments and policymakers sit down to hash out that system. John, thanks very much for joining us and making all this clear, trying to find that needle that that threads it all together. Uh, We hope you at home understand what's going on in the news now, understand this uh, and understand the significance of it. We'll have John back to explain what happens next. John, thanks for joining us
0: and everyone at home, thanks for watching.